Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Second Officer Slog, episode 43. I'm your host, M, and with me is my regular co-host, my number one, Jackson. I almost called you the wrong thing, or I did call you the wrong thing. But here we are. It's true. We've got a bit. We've got to, we've got to stick to our bit. Yeah, no, you're the regular close on every other show. Uh, you're my number one here. I am the number one here. Hello! It's time to talk about Star Trek. Uh, yep, that's it. That's what we do here. I, I have nothing. There's nothing. There's just Star Trek. <laughs> Uh, that's not true. We sat down to podcast, and you said, "Did you see this Frozen Two trailer?" And the second we, we like, can't talk about this here. We're not gonna. We, but this... I'm saying our minds are in other places. Yes. Um, yeah, and not in the my still network sort of other places. <laughs> way. Just you know, this... we were supposed to be recording a different podcast right now, and it really threw us off. Uh, yeah, no, uh, the rhythm's all off. Um, but we still, we're still gonna talk about Star Trek because we like it a lot. Uh, so let's just get into it. Uh, this episode is called Saints of Imperfection. It is episode five. It aired the 14th of February, Valentine's Day of 2019. Written by Kirsten Bayer. It was directed by David Barrett. Uh, I assume it takes place in 21, 2257, like everything else. Yeah, it takes place in 21. <laughs> oh, I really want an episode. Look, at some point, someone uh, in this episode goes, tachyons, and everyone <laughs> pauses for a minute, and Christopher Pike says, that could mean time travel. <laughs> And I go, yeah, it could. I know what, <laughs> yeah, it, I know really what could. it means when someone says there's traces of tachyon particles in Star Trek. <laughs> I know exactly what that means, and it means that we're going back to Enterprise. <laughs> That's not what it means. Uh, no, but... Uh, yeah, no, like the part where it probably just ties up the bow where those people were warped out of World War Three onto the other planet. Uh, not interesting. The part where it means that they're going to go meet to Paul, but it's like not even old to Paul. That's what I want. Yeah, no, the, the Federation just been founded. They just brought the entire Enterprise cast back. I want Christopher Pike to argue with Jonathan Archer. I Please give me so this. I need them to bring Archer <laughs> into Discovery and he's just the biggest cop who's ever lived. <laughs> Yeah, I need it more than anything. I, th- I think it's good we have Section Thirty One. It protects the peace. <laughs> yeah, no, Pike should go back and argue with the man who decided Section Thirty One were needed. <laughs> yeah, it's Pike and Leland go back and meet Jonathan Archer, the first president of the Federation. <laughs> and he's like, "Look, when I went into space, nine eleven happened. So that's why yeah. we have Section Thirty One. Get fucked. You don't have to. You don't understand. I had to torture a person once." <laughs> He's still just telling everyone the story of how sad he was he had to do a 9-11 torture. Remember that time that his uh, his girlfriend was like, what the fuck are you talking? What happened to you out there, you idiot? I did a 9-11 torture. I needed to preserve Earth. She's <laughs> like, I don't think you did. I think that you could have found another way. He's like, you'll understand when you go into space. Absolutely not. She did not understand. She's the good captain. Yep. Uh, Enterprise is good sometimes. 
I've been thinking about Enterprise a lot. Enterprise is great. Uh, it's it's a, it's often a very bad show and has some of the worst decision making possible because it's Rick Berman at his most. But it's also a show I think about very fondly a lot and has informed a lot of my reads on Star Trek. Yep. And it luckily has this thing where because like none of the not all the people writing the show think that Archer being a hard decisions cop is a bad thing, but. Yeah. It still informs like our leftist read on Star Trek of like that's still true whichever way your own politics are and it makes the reads of the show interesting. Especially now that Discovery is doing a lot of that same stuff, but clearly on purpose as critique. <laughs> yes. Uh, it makes Enterprise doing it on accident as just part of the politics of the people writing the show very good and funny. Uh, sometimes it does it on purpose. <laughs> it can go between yeah. episode to episode, just depending on who's writing it, whether the yes. torture is good this week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, uh god this is what you did archer now we've got the fucking emperor of the mirror universe running around in um, your little uh pet organization a retired star fleet captain philip the war you. changed her <laughs> yes <laughs> i like it because she says it as like the biggest lie possible like there's no way anyone would believe you when you say it like that the war changed her because you but what are you gonna say you can be like no it didn't that's rude <laughs> So, while Vulcans obviously can lie all they want, Michael Burnham absolutely believes Vulcans can't tell lies. <laughs> she does! Given how bad she is at it. She is the Vulcan that believes that Vulcans can only tell the truth because of logic, so she's always doing those like, weird white lies that kind of scare yes. around things, uh, as opposed to every other Vulcan who will just lie to your face and then afterwards tell you that logic dictated it. Yes. <laughs> you, the logic comes afterwards, Burnham. Did you never pick that up? <laughs> No, no, she didn't. Uh, I guess Burnham is what happens when you, like, believe what the Vulcans tell you about how they live. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's a bad scene. Star Trek's good. Uh, anyway, we yeah, should probably slightly summarize the episode, and then we'll continue. Yeah, go ahead. Be my guest. Second. Shit, I didn't mean to volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> Owned. Uh, I'll do my best. I saw it a couple of days ago, and then had a very traumatic couple of days. Uh, I had a funeral, right, like, literally the second after I finished the episode, I had to rush off to a funeral. Um... So well, it I, helps because almost nothing happens in this episode. It's actually plot-wise very slim, so it's pretty easy to get I guess there. there's not much going... Yeah, okay, I, that's true. So, uh, we begin... <laughs> we begin... Sorry! I just remembered how this episode began. We begin yeah. with Michael Burnham slow-mo running into uh, engineering as... But like, but like T-1000 knife hands running, <laughs> which is my favorite type of running. Yes. I think of that as uh, Matrix running. Oh, yeah, no. I, I think of Terminator 2 yeah. every time. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's fair. Um, and so she, she runs in doing her, like, shocked no face as Stamets gives the, like, shake of the head. Tilly is gone. Uh, and she's giving a really important voiceover about tragedy. And I'm like, this is stupid. Um, uh, yeah. I like the episode. This episode has a weird framing device of a overwrought narration by Michael Burnham that isn't, like, isn't necessary, isn't earned, but is also amazing and good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, I... Don't know why any of this is in slow motion. That's a stupid decision. No. Uh, so I think the one at the beginning is stupid. The one at the end where she slowly just walks onto the bridge yes. and everyone gives her like exaggerated nods is actually the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> because it also has the slow pan to Ash Turner, Ash Tyler. Yes. But also she just walks past Pike's like uh, sitting in the chair and he looks at her in like clearly a, you're in the way. You're in the way. I'm looking at the V screen right now way, but it's played as like a dramatic recognition that Michael Burnham is cool. Uh, all I could think of in 
during that scene for um just because this is who I am uh is the scene uh in Rushmore where he's doing all the stuff with the like the beekeeper thing with the yeah. beehive. <laughs> That's, That's what I could think of at this moment. Anyway, uh dumb slow mo. Um back to the plot. Uh, Tilly is dead for now, uh, in the eyes of everyone on, on the ship, just so we can get some exposition in before we get back to her plot. Uh, but that's the yeah, purpose I mean, of I will state for the record here, it's not worth getting back to, that I think the idea that people thought Tilly was dead in this is a dumb thing. No one in Star Trek would ever think this. Um, I mean, you know what? she does say that no one knows for sure, but the only one truly yes. holding out hope is Stamets, when everyone yes. would just be going, well, I guess Tilly's been by the network. Instead, uh... About 10 minutes later, Stamets goes, I think Tilly's in the network, but we've got some plot to get through before that can happen. Uh, yeah. So they have found tracks, uh, tracks. They have tracked uh, and found Spock shuttle. And yep. in my favorite running gag, they bring the shuttle aboard and it's time finally to meet Spock. It's not Spock. <laughs> Yet again, no. it's not Spock. This is the- Inexplicably, <laughs> seemingly beyond all reason and logic, it is Philip O'Georgiou. Yep. And I've seen people complaining that this is like stretching the Spock thing out. This repeated gag of it not being Spock isn't amazing. When, one, it's clearly incredible. Like, the, the only way yes. to deal with it is to lean in. Uh, and two, imagine being promised Spock and getting Giorgio and being disappointed. Yeah, but also, like, being, like, teased Spock and then, like, really wanting Spock to actually be there. The idea of Spock, I promise you, is better than the reality. Uh, I'm sorry, that's yeah. just true. He's just gonna show up and talk about logic and forgive Burnham. Yeah, he's gonna have a beard and it's gonna not be, it's gonna be kind of weird because you're like, this is a new Spock, I don't know how I feel about this. They really should have just gotten Zachary Quinto. And then that's gonna be it. That's gonna be <laughs> that's how gonna, Spock is. It's gonna be the whole thing, yeah. If it was Zachary Quinto, it'd be much easier to list, accept it. Uh, but no, they've got a new. God, I guy. believe Zachary Quinto would murder a room full of doctors <laughs> instantly. So maybe they should have gotten him. <laughs> they really should have gotten him. Yeah. Uh, uh, heroes cast. Uh, go listen to my heroes cast. <laughs> he slapped all of them, but he's a Vulcan, so he has super strength. So it just murdered them all. I think he's been emotionally compromised. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Jojo shows up. Uh, and she's like, I've also been tracking Spock, obviously, because that's what the second thirty one. Uh, she she shows up with an amazing, like her JRPG villain theme. <laughs> yes, with her JRPG villain but, theme. But while Cap- while Pike goes, oh, Georgiou, I remember you. You were a friend of the Academy, and everyone lowers their gun except Burnham, who is just like ready to shoot her. And the ways in which this episode continues to play Burnham as just looking really suspect every time she looks at Georgiou, and everyone going like, Burnham, is something wrong? You look a little uh, upset. Is <laughs> very good. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty funny so uh pike is like what's going on here what are you why are you looking for spock what's going on who is happening blah blah blah, blah. what's what's section 31 blah 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 all this stuff uh, he knows like well no he's like what are you doing here and she whips out her black badge and he's like oh section 31 nice <laughs> but then like he calls up leland who is another old friend another old friend for the academy because pike has actually met everyone at the academy <laughs> that is not that is not actually leland calls him and is just in his ready room as a hologram which is even better because they walk into the ready room and he's just there. He's like, "Hey, oh, you yes. got one of my officers." Uh, but the part about him being old friends in the academy is also true. Everyone, Pike, they play into Pike's foxiness for making him just know everyone at school in a way that's incredibly yes. funny. I think there's like references to, uh, like, then it might not say that, but it definitely comes off that way with Cornwell as well. Like he just yes. knows that he's old friends with everyone. It's Pike. Everyone likes Pike. Yes. Um, you know what this means, though? Yes. Christopher Pike absolutely knew Prime Lorca. It does. Yes. He had to. Yeah. (laughs) 
when he said I'm not Loka, he was talking about Prime Loka. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the person who became a bad cop on Tarsus 4 and just murdered a bunch of people for no good reason. Uh, I mean, is it classified what happened to Lorca? I mean, he knows what happened to Lorca. Okay. Because he's he's referred to it to Burnham before. Right, he has. I'm, I'm trying to work yes. out like... Wait, do they did they keep the I, entire? I do think I do th- I do think it's extremely classified, but he does know about that, so he knows that Lorca's from the mirror universe, but doesn't know about Philip Jarjo. <laughs> yeah, like those two <laughs> things not coming as a package is weird. Um, yes, well, but that's I, why Pike is very in the dark <laughs> and uh, sweetly clueless to this entire thing. Yeah, so now it's basically a series of scenes as they're all expositing each other and filling each other in on this investigation. Uh, the main plot thing that happens is um. Uh, they're like, we're sending a liaison from Section 91 to pick Georgiou up. And I'm like, I wonder who that could be. Um, we we know three <laughs> characters from Section 31, and two of them are in the room. <laughs> I wonder who it could be. Who could this liaison be? Um, yeah. uh, and that's the plot stuff that happens. All these scenes, just Burnham is just staring at Georgiou the whole time. Just staring at her. To the point yes. where Georgiou, when walking out with Burnham after her staring at her, is like so kind of like... Um, enamored with just how over the top Georgia is being that she starts hissing like a snake (laughs) just to like make fun of her yes Uh, it's all very good and very ridiculous anyway you just want to go through this entire plot before we get to the thing that matters here Uh, the entire section 31 plot yeah Uh, well the the section 31 plot is that Ash Tyler has been brought um, uh, to be on the discovery uh, and to take uh, Giorgio back and to be the liaison there um, eventually it is decided uh, through the other plot we'll get into that in a moment um, that uh, what, what were the you... thing the thing maybe my favorite thing in Discovery is the way that Ash Tyler says Konos in extremely the same way Yuri Lowenthal says Naruto in Naruto <laughs> <laughs> he does he really does <laughs> holy yes. shit God. That's fine. That's all I had. <laughs> anyway, obviously, everyone is not very happy to see Ash Tyler, given that uh, he murdered Culber. Um, or, I mean, Vok murdered Culber. You'd think, considering how, like, if this happened in a TNG episode, everyone would go, oh, that was just the other episode thing. Well, that wasn't him. We'll all get over it. But in this show, it's played very dramatic. Um, he murdered yes. Culber, uh, and no one can really adjust to the Vok uh, Ash thing. Uh, and also now he's in Section Thirty One, and that's definitely untrustworthy. Uh, so what? Yes. What? Uh, what's going on? Everyone's a bit un- uneasy with Ash, uh, even though he is very clearly doing this, ha- having told Laurel. Like this hasn't been on screen, but Laurel knows where he is. <laughs> yes, uh, he's clearly infiltrating Section Thirty One, so he can leak leak some information later in the show. Yes. Um, also, he's now being trailed by his replacement, who is Commander Nan, who's just apparently transferred from the Enterprise full time now. I guess. I mean, uh, I like that, but they didn't ever have a scene about this. But I like the idea that Pike's like, "No, we're getting my chief of security." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm gonna be nice and let your ship do things how you. But I'm bringing my cop with me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, so Ash on the uh, on the Discovery now uh, through the main plot uh, and some danger. It is decided that Ash Tyler will stay. Um, Georgiou leaves, right? Georgiou goes back to Section 31. Or does Georgiou stay on yeah. the... Yeah. So Georgiou is recovered. Uh, Ash stays behind to assist Discovery with their Spore missions uh, because Spock is connected to the... Not Spore missions. With their Red Lights mission because Spock is connected to the Red Lights. And so Section yes. 31 and uh, Enterprise are basically working the same case now. And they've both run out of leads, so they have to help each uh, other. Section 31 and Discovery. Oh, shit. <laughs> Like Enterprise in space dock. <laughs> the longest stay in space dock ever. Yeah. 
uh, Enterprise in Space, I guess. So, Section 31 Discovery are teaming up to go deal with the spore. Uh, sp- I can't do words! Deal with the Red Lights mystery. Uh, and they have to work together because they're both out of leads. This is established in a really good scene where Admiral Cornwall shows up and gets Leland and Car. Uh, Car, what am I doing? Leland and Pike uh, to just behave in a room like you're both on our side. Nation building is hard work, and I'm like, yes. okay, sure. Who? I remember when I thought you were cool, Cornwall. No, you just suck the most. Um, uh, no, she. I think you'll find she's still extremely cool. Oh, she's still extremely cool, but they are leaning in hard to like. This isn't. Uh, it isn't that Second Thirty One is known, but also a secret, unaccountable black ops. No, she, Leland answers to the Admiral. The Admiral is just Second Thirty One. Um, yeah, I mean, Section Thirty One is just the CIA. Like the one of the top admirals in Starfleet, absolutely just gives them orders. Which means that when Burnham stood up to her face and said, uh, "We don't do this. That's not who we are," she went into the next room. Yes, it was like, well, they're not going to do this, but maybe you guys can. Uh, Which is good, because, yeah, we were talking earlier about how this makes all the stuff with Enterprise so much more explicit from the other angle. Uh, this yes. is the peak and of makes that. makes everyone being so aghast in DS9 even funnier than it was the first time. Yeah, we just forgot the secret cops. You know, Cisco, like, I can't believe there's secret cops. My dude, you literally, like, genocided a planet. Uh, yeah, just because they were the, like, grumpy McKee. Yeah, he's like, I don't agree with your politics. I'm going to destroy your ecology. Please get off the planet. Their get politics fucked. were good. <laughs> also their main complaint was the Cardassians aren't giving us any place to live we want to fight for our home and he's like well I'm going to burn down your home what now oh god mad uh, if, if Cisco is real everyone would be quote tweeting him with you bomb the McKee every five minutes <laughs> yes <laughs> um, anyway that's the main section 31 uh, like the broad series plot and how uh, you forgot out. the very most important thing in this plot where Admiral Cornwell says that the red signals have tachyon radiation yeah, we mentioned which that means earlier. that they, and Pike's like oh that suggests time travel <laughs> it does it does suggest time travel and then the other one is like that could suggest transporters or any other of um fake technologies and I'm like and everyone's up. like Leland shut up you're not a Star Trek character <laughs> Leland, shut up. When, it, when someone says tachyons, it means time travel's about to happen. Yes. Nine We've all seen all ten. good things. Yes, exactly. What could these tachyons mean? Uh, yep. So let's hope there's some real time travel bullshit coming up. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but that, that's the that's that plot. And then Burnham walks very cool into the bridge. <laughs> yes. In slow motion. Uh, yes. But the bulk of the episode revolves around Tilly and the Mycelial Network, because obviously she's in the Mycelial Network. Uh, May, uh, who is the sports... We'll just call her May. Um, May, yeah. May has brought her to the Mycelial Network and is like, yo, every time that you open up a hole in our universe to do some teleporting, uh, it fucks us up big time, obviously. Uh, so please stop that. There's a monster that you've created and you've let loose here uh, that is killing us. You have to go kill it. Um, while this is happening... Uh, Discovery has figured out that Tilly is in the Mycelial Network, and so does a half jump, a half jump, where half of the Discovery is in the Mycelial Network, half of it is in normal space, it is like jammed in there as if it's a literal real door between worlds. Yes, um, I am going, oh, you mean to make a jump without a set destination as if we are all idiots who have never seen a sci-fi thing before. <laughs> yep, half of it's in one world, half of it's in the other one, it's jammed in there. Uh, they have to bring um, Tilly uh, home within an hour before the spores eat through the hole, because they're going to attack it on site, because it's like foreign matter to the universe. It's like super dangerous. Yes. 
so they're going to get Tilly back, um, and they do. But she's like, "I made a promise to May. I will. I will. We'll fix whatever damage we've done to the Spore universe." Uh, and they go and find the monster, and the monster is who? But uh, but Culber. Uh, yes, Doctor Hugh Culber. Doctor Hugh Culber. Um, he is all uh, very like um, hilarious TV disheveled. With, uh, yo, his with, hair is so bad. With his terrible, terrible hair. Uh, yes. And his like dirt all over him because he's, you know, he's been going crazy in the ship. Well, he's also covered himself in bark, that, like toxic bark from the Mycelial Network to keep the spores from eating him alive. Yep. And that's been killing all the spores. And they're like, he's attacking us with bark. And they're like, yo, um, he's clearly defending himself. So we can just take him home and then they'll actually solve a problem. We don't have to kill him. We'll be fine. Um, I guess them never addressed in the episode whether they will stop going in and out of the network at will. I should hope they do because it's clearly fucking up their all their shit. I feel like it's clear that they are going to use it a lot less. Probably that that was clear the last time. Yes, that's true. <laughs> when they were like, "Man, why is the mirror universe completely destroying the mycelial network for no reason?" I guess this yes. was a bad idea. And then the second it was convenient because they needed to go to a place. Well, they do end season one with Samus going, and I will never jump again. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure they've done about, like, four jumps in this show already. They have. So. They absolutely have. Um, and, um, God, what a ridiculous... But they do also talk about, like, the door between the network being closed at the end of this episode in a way that seemed very hand-wavy and, like, maybe they just are never going to do this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could be. I if, if it was that, I would have expected a bit more emphasis on it. Um, yes. Because most of the but... emphasis is on... Um, Culba, who so they they go and try to bring Culba back uh, through the um the airlock, which is obviously the like chamber that uh, Stamets uses uh, yes. between the two dimensions. Um, while this is happening, by the way, the um like ticking ticking clock in the episode uh, is represented by the Enterprise falling further into the universe to the point where all uh, of Jackson the Enterprise is in space. Shit! <laughs> Every time, oh. It's a bad one today. Uh, the discovery is falling further into the mycelial network, um, uh, represented entirely by like the line of like CGI nothing, weird blue stuff crossing the bridge further and further. Yes, and if it touches them all, they'll be turned inside out, like when they were the Glen. Uh, and it, not even the not not a single like red shirt does has this happen to them to remind you of how bad it is. No, because <laughs> they're not going to do that. They're not going to show someone being turned into the Glen things. Those are a lot. I feel like this show has stepped back from being so edge lordy. Uh, yeah, no, Brian Fuller was fired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nobody's getting turned inside out. They'll talk about it, but you're not even going to see a flashback. They'll just kind of like back up against the wall and go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes this is much better honestly uh and my favorite thing about this is uh, during that scene everyone on the bridge is panicking except saru who no longer feels fear canonically <laughs> yes. who's just calmly doing his job oh uh, we'll have to deal with the saru stuff very soon uh yes so while this is happening just to, to get that extra extra little bit of power uh the section 31 ship which has apparently been here the whole time decloaks reveals itself and pike is a, a dummy me- asteroid if you will a d- <laughs> God damn it. And then Pike is immediately like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> Guys, um, you didn't tell me you had a, a, a super powerful advanced ship right here. Um, and then like Ash starts speaking over him. Uh, Leland starts giving him orders. He's, he is not happy with the second 31 order of business. Uh, but they do help um, 
it's actually Giorgio who decides we're going to give them some extra power to get them to get this mission done. I don't, I don't think we need to needlessly sacrifice them. That's stupid. I'm just going to do this purely out of spite to own Leland because she's yep. so clearly toying with Leland. Uh, yes, Leland has no power. No. Uh, do you think he's going to end up dead or just be like Giorgio's toy? Um, I don't know. I don't have enough information to decide how that's, that's going to go. Anyway, they they do it. They get everyone back. Uh, but it is obviously revealed that he can't leave the network. Uh, Culber can't leave the network uh, because due to plot reasons, the reason he's there is like his body never went there. He only went there because uh, of um, Stamets' connection to the network when he found his body and he like basically transported his spirit there uh, with science. But it doesn't matter what it is. Yes. And they reconstituted his body there uh, with matter that was made from uh, the mycelial network. And then they, yes. so to get him back, they have to use the teleporter, uh, which doesn't make sense because Tilly can walk back just fine, even so she was in the weird organic teleporter that she got. Whatever, doesn't matter why. The point is they trust uh, May, who's like, I will hold them off long enough to bring, uh, to teleport him back to you and hopefully it will work. Uh, and they're all waiting on the other side, uh, waiting to see if Culber's going to come back to life. And then the thing opens and he does and he's naked like in Terminator or something. Um the, the thing that matters here is if they had one of these mycelial transporters, they could get uh, Moriarty off the holodeck. Shit. That's absolutely <laughs> what this is. This is the way to make yes. someone from a hot... Like, it's the mycelial network, but whatever. They have a way to transport someone's kind of... This could make the Doctor real. Yeah, it could. I mean, no one's going to remember this technology exists. Also, the Doctor is real, to be fair. You know what I mean, though? It can make him leave yes. the sickbay. I'm sure he does yeah. leave. I know he leaves the sickbay at some point later in the series because yes. they're like, oh god, we need to have our favorite character off of one set. Uh, yes. But like, it can remove technological constraints to the existence of certain beings. Like, it may allow Vic yep. to go walkabouts. Yes. Um... I mean, I guess maybe the Mirror Universe just discovered these transporters because Vic is just out and about in the Mirror Universe. <laughs> he is <laughs> backfilling. This is the this is how Vic is real in the Mirror Universe. <laughs> you think uh, this is why you come to us for a Star Trek podcast? Because our reaction to this episode is this explains how Vic in the Mirror Universe uh, <laughs> is walking about the station yeah. rather than simply in his holodeck program. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, no, there's a lot of weird questions that if this transporter, if they could figure out how this works, they could fix a lot of problems in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the upshot of this is that Culber's back and everyone is, uh, it's like the end of the with first. His, with, uh, thankfully, May shaved his head before she pushed him into the thing. Yeah, and now he has normal hair again. <laughs> yep. Um, and uh, Stamets and Culber are reunited. Yeah. Hooray. Hooray. They're going to have so many... The thing many... that they told us they were going to do when he died happened. Yep. They're going to have so many more opportunities to tell each other about their dates they've been on. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hope they go on some new dates. <laughs> Remember, on our third date, we did this thing, and then you, it made me love you so much. And I think they've done that about six times. Yep. Uh, well, they're off to, for their new date on Planet Camino, so it will be fine. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's, uh, it rains there. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> uh, but that's that's the episode. 
yeah, that's that's everything that happened. I liked it a whole bunch. Uh, I thought it was... Uh, I also liked it a whole bunch. But mostly for the stuff we're talking about here, where this is just a great set of, like, tools to further build out Star Trek headcanon. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Like, every scene... So many scenes imply bigger... Th- like, what does this, this transporter mean? What does this imply about Section 31 and how it has operated until now? And in the future, how does this, like, show the organizational chain of Starfleet? Uh, how have these changes been made? Why have these changes been made? who's like trying to assuage their guilt here i mean everyone um but like it's interesting more than it is good and it's pretty good like i I didn't think it was bad just as a story right uh yeah but i do think that i I thought it was a really good episode specifically the tilly stuff i think is incredible she's like this is giving her stuff to do that is good and interesting i mean tilly's a hero yes uh, also, shout out to the, I, would this be makeup or costuming for the ways in which her hair starts gloopy and gross and just slowly goes into the full Tilly over the course of the episode? It does. She's, she's back to the full Tilly by the end of the thing, which I don't think yes. is how hair works. Uh, yeah, and it depends been, it's, on if the stuff was goop or just wet. It's hard to tell, it's right? It's been an hour. But watching her hair dry out and just spring out is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's multiple stages to that. Yes. Uh, I think that would be costume. I don't know hair and makeup. Sort of thing. I don't. I don't know the department chains yeah. of this stuff. I but, don't know, but uh, it's good. It's good. That's all I. Yeah. Uh, Tilly has so some great section thirty. Section thirty one has com badges. They just have the thing on your chest. You tap and just talk into. Section thirty one have com badges. So here's the three possibilities. Okay. Section thirty one has like advanced tech that they eventually slowly trickle out to the rest of Starfleet. That's what I assumed immediately. Section 31 has future technology. Less interesting, I think. Section 31 is in league with the Shadow Man from the future in the t- Temporal Cold War. <laughs> well, that's canon. <laughs> yes. We're bringing back the Shadow Man. Yes. And we're still going to reveal that it's old Jonathan Archer. <laughs> Wait, that just means that old Jonathan Archer has, instead of dying... Um, travel to the future purely to run the cop house of the Federation forever. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. Um, so so instead of like, you know, doing the stuff we normally but, do, but also he only went forward like six years because remember Jonathan Archer dies on the day the Enterprise is commissioned. <laughs> That's um, canon. I mean, I assume he's like he went all the way in the future and is now. In this stupid fanfic, he is in the like in the far, far future, uh, and it's like I'm going to look through the timeline and make adjustments uh, as oh, to so like somewhere somewhere in 2160 or like 2180, he just disappeared into the future for for him like two decades and then just came back. Uh, yeah, no, he's this is his. He final... just did. He just did like the Cyclops and Jean Grey raising their own child in the future thing. His final fate is to set up the cop wing of the Federation. Um... Because he, he he couldn't trust anyone else. The only one you can truly I think, trust... I think you'll find Malcolm Reed set up the cock wing of the Federation. <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, but he has to head it up. Because, I mean, this was... Um, this was uh, Archer's problem in that second 31 episode was that it was someone but him who got to make the tough choices. His real problem <laughs> yes. with the secret police is that he can't be... Because if he's in charge of them, he can make sure they're right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I, I think he's the shadow man... <laughs> I think he's talking to, to Leland in the back room and giving yep. them combat. 
Somehow. The reason the reason I thought of time travel is because when Cornwell says tachyon particles, uh, Pike's like, oh, time travel. And then Leland's like, no, can't be time travel. Absolutely not time travel. It's probably a transporter. Could be anything. Not time travel. That's crazy. Um, should be time travel. Yeah, no, it probably is time travel, but he doesn't want anyone else to talk about time travel because he's got future technology. Oh, I guess he could be doing that. I just read that as, please don't no, speculate. This is me this just is... bullshitting. Oh, I'm sure it's not that. I, I read that as... It's very funny to read that. I read that, that as then telling the audience this isn't actually time travel. Do not start your time travel speculation. And I was like, fuck you. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> don't don't worry, audience. Don't worry, Star Trek producers. Everyone still thinks this is in the Kelvinverse and not the Prime <laughs> Universe. So, yeah, I'm Apparently, no one can read. <laughs> you know, uh, my other thought following along with the got future tech is, is the temp, uh, the Department of Temporal Investigation Section 31? Absolutely, right? They have to be. Um, I mean, they can't. Not if they ha- like the Department of Temporal Investigations is by its very nature like an absolute power in the way that Section Thirty One exerts itself. Yes. It can't not. Yes. If once you get into time, and there's, shit, you and there's really no are. way they don't know that Section Thirty One was at one time just a vocal, like aware part of the Federation. They are time travel cops. Yeah, we need, oh, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Department of Temporal Investigations is is um is that what um Daniels is in? Or is he, or is that post um, yeah, even that stuff? That's that's post that. They're the people who came up and uh, interrogated DS9 about going back and meeting Kirk. Right. I was like, I know the there's one lots episode of books about two, them. two cops show up who are not Section 31 because they hadn't invented that yet to just be cops. Because <laughs> I, I, I know that there's lots of uh, Temporal Investigation books, but I'm like, they have to have been in the show at some point. Where were they? Right. They were those. Right. Because they did meet Kirk. <laughs> Yes. And then someone was like, we should have a show where someone knew they met Kirk and how messed up that was. Yes. They're it. absolutely Section 31. There's no There's way no they're way. not. There's no way they're not. It's just the same as one organization, and they've all got combat. Yep. Yes. That means they have the technology of all of time, uh, and they've decided to combat badges of the way. Yep. No one found anything better. Everyone's still using the flip phones. I mean, this explains again how... Um, I, I guess the computer could do this before, but like the the, the combat has become the means of surveillance in um, Star Trek. After this, right? Like someone yes. can avoid surveillance in Star Trek by taking off their combat. It's just stupid. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This may be the dumbest part of Star Trek that, that um this work. So I guess that leads credence to them. The combat is being a second thirty one thing. If everyone just wears their like this is my location beacon at all times. In every ship, they can always be found by the computer. It's just a helpful service, Second 31 provided to the universe. The thing is, if like if you backfill Trek technology with stuff we have in the real world now, there's much better, more like fa- foolproof ways to surveil everyone if, on the ship. I mean, the com- and yet here we go. The computer can. That's one of the things that's been funny with the computer and the combat thing is that the computer is so all seeing that it probably knows where everyone is anyway. Um, but. Because that that wasn't really a th- as thought of as a thing. It was, oh, it can detect the com badges until now. Yes. Um, and so yeah, and like the idea that you would need the com badge to track someone is very silly. Yep. Anyway, that's our that's our. <laughs> what if unless, unless at some point Starfleet decided that the crew can only interface with the combat tracker and not the the ship obviously knows where everyone is all the time tracker that it's too powerful this is the dark night of Star Trek when they decided no one could have this power <laughs> yeah. 
Archer typed his name in and walked away. <laughs> and then went back to the past to, <laughs> to die. die. <laughs> he's like, man, the Enterprise is a nice ship. Yep. I hope they keep building these. I hope we get to an E. Well, I mean, he knows he, they get to he, an he J. Knows they so get I guess J. he knows. <laughs> God, the Enterprise is so fucking dumb. <laughs> the Enterprise J. Yep. Uh, do we have anything else if we talked about Archer being the Shadow Man for 20 minutes and we're kind of out of <laughs> stuff? Um, God, what do I, what do I want? Uh, Ash Tyler being played as, like, oh, nebulously, right. oh, why are you in Section 31 now? As if, like, he, like, Laurel and him didn't decide this was better and he could go tell her about the shady shit Starfleet's up to. Yeah, like... This is clearly the best tactical move the Klingons can make, because now Section 31 aren't looking at them, and they can look at them. It's genius. Yes. It's perfect. I can't believe the Section 31 don't realize they're being played. I can only assume that the Section 31 are a bunch of fucking weird, like, race, like human-centrist racists. I mean, and they have like, to be. The Klingons would never think of a plan so devious. Right, I mean, that's basically their whole, like... Th- Jojo comes in and expresses this like stupid paternalism because I mean, she's literally yes. from the Empire, right? She fits yes. in perfectly here. Yeah, she's like everyone seems totally cool with me, you know, being the fucking racist emperor of another galaxy. But uh, I fit in real well. <laughs> I'm making a lot of she, friends. She's barely had to change. She barely has to hide yes. her like tendencies. All she has to do is maybe like accept a little less like ludicrous a fanfare towards it. Yes, uh, but her call. Yes, her, like, her complaining that Leland doesn't call her by her full name. <laughs> yeah, which is very good. Yes, but entirely doing that just so she can say her full name to make Jojo pissed off, uh, to make a uh, Burnham pissed off. Yes, bad with names today. What is going on? I don't know. Uh, it's a, it's good. Her toying with yes. Burnham is so funny. <laughs> yes, she hisses like a snake. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, and next week we're going to. Um, Camino. 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 <laughs> the problem is, my brain goes Kelpie. I'm like, no, that's that's wrong. And then my brain goes Camino, and I'm like, that's also wrong. Kaminar. I know it's Kaminar. Uh, okay. But my brain will never hit that first. I have to go through the whole cycle. Um, okay. Camino. Yep. A clone army could fix a lot of these problems. Could it? I don't know if that's true. <laughs> I don't know what problems could be fixed by a clone army, actually. Um... <laughs> I mean, not having control of your empire. Uh, her new empire? <laughs> <laughs> what would she make clones of, I guess, is my question. Um, wait, so who would be the Star Trek Django Fett? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's Michael Burnham, right? No, she questions authority too much. Well, mm, I feel like Georgie would like that. Oh, in her unruly clone army where all the clones are already suspicious of each other and everyone else. <laughs> yes, and they're all of her like daughter from another universe. I would I would just choose uh pre Vok Ash Tyler. Just, <laughs> just the most bland man possible. Yeah. Oh, that does mean we get like an entire show of Ash Tyler with a bunch of hairstyles, which is actually amazing. I, I think this is this is how it would go. I think you'd have a million yes. Ash Tylers. All of them grew up fishing. Um, yes, every one of them is into fishing. Like depopulate entire planets of their fish. <laughs> 
And it's them fighting a war alongside the super cops being run by the Shadow Man, who is uh, Captain Archer, uh, years in the future, just before he dies. I really apologize to everyone who just wanted to recap the Star Trek <laughs> Discovery. This is, this is all the way ludicrous. The episode was good. There wasn't anything to say. It, like, stuff happened. It, I, I didn't dislike any of it. It was all pretty solid. Yeah, no, it was a good episode. I'm yep. always thinking about the Captain Archer the Shadow Man, uh, but, you know, <laughs> that's that's not really anything to do with Discovery. That's more on me, I guess. That's not canon if you haven't seen Enterprise. That was just a proposed idea for who the Shadow Man was. <laughs> we don't know who the Shadow Man is. It was never answered. Yep. Yep. Uh, there is a shadowy man from the future in... Um, Enterprise that they never they realized they could never reveal because no answer was good. Um, yes. So we <laughs> But have... the best possible answer is still Jonathan Archer. Yeah. But after he's retired from being president of the Federation. Yes. Yes. Which is also canon, but that that is definitely canon. That was on a Wikipedia page on the screen. Yes. Um but yes. Okay. That's it. We are done with the episode now. Thank you very much for listening. Um I feel like we missed something, but I guess maybe we didn't. I don't know. I mean w- w- what do you think we missed? I don't know. I guess let us know. Did Linus do anything this episode? No. no? no okay, I guess maybe we didn't lose anything here. <laughs> Where, when is Detmer going to have a plot? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, that's it. We are done. Unless you can think of whatever it is we forgot and then we're done. You have five seconds yeah. to think of it and then we're ending this podcast. Nope, nope. Pike keeps looking at that concept art of the Red Angel. He I does hate it every time. He does keep bringing up the Anthem concept art. <laughs> yes. Look at it every in stores time. now. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, we're done now. We're, the window's closed. Thank you very much. Uh, you can find us on the internet. You know where. This isn't my uh, outro. Until next time. Yeah, right. Uh, until next time, we'll see you out there. Get fucked. Goodbye. <laughs> that's, that's also not the outro, but fine. <laughs>